Welcome once again to Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat Everything about Glasgow's West End and My name's Jim Byrne and Pat in the title is Pat Byrne And this is episode 34, I think uh, We've got a special treat for you in this episode Pat interviews Greg Hemphill You will undoubtedly know Greg Because he, along with Ford Kiernan he writes the incredibly funny Still Game, uh, which is a comedy on the telly. And uh, in fact, it's so popular that for a number of years they they had uh, a version of it which they played in the Glasgow's Hydro for weeks on end and hundreds of thousands of people went and had a good laugh. So Greg is an actor, a writer, a comedian, a West Ender, and as much as I've seen him wandering about the West End myself, and Pat's uh, interviewed him in the past for the week for the for the Glasgow West End website. There's a feature up there already, but now that we're doing the podcast, uh, it was a great idea of Pat's to interview Greg. So. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. Please get in touch. Uh, if you've got any questions, I don't know if you know, uh, if you listen to the other podcast, which is my weekly chat with Pat, we do a West End fact and we do a what's your favourite thing about the West End. So if you've got a West End fact, that you want us to know, please send it to you. And if you've got something that's a f- favourite of yours in the West End, also please send it to us. You can either do that by getting in touch with Pat on Twitter, which is at Glasgow's West End, or you can do it the old-fashioned way by sending an email, either to myself, jim at glasgowestend.co.uk, or pat at glasgowestend.co.uk. One final thing is if you're enjoying the podcast and you're on iTunes or whatever it is please give us a nice review and click the five stars all of that apparently is very helpful for us okay let's go and listen to Pat and Greg Kempel having a chat so I'm in Nick's in Hindland with Greg Hempel. Hello. <laughs> Hi Greg. We were going to meet in Epicure, um, but it was so busy, so then we thought we'd go to Butterscotch Cafe, but it was closed, so we've come to Nick's. I've come without my gadget for the recording, so hopefully this will be clear. We're doing it old school. <laughs> and then when we came in it was hilarious because he was here before Kiernan. <laughs> Oh my yeah, goodness. I bumped into my old pal Jack. <laughs> there he was. Jack and Victor, what's it like? <laughs> That's what the West End is like, you see. You can walk into a place and two old pals can just bump into each other. I know. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that that's going to be, this is going to be the final series. I know, I know. We can't believe it either, actually. Because it's been 21 years, there's a woodpecker in the, in the bar. Uh, 21 years since we started Still Game. We started it in 1997 and started uh, as a TV show in 2002 and then there was a kind of eight or nine year gap and now we're getting a chance to finish it so we feel really privileged, you know Uh, but it's time to move on and do other things and um, we don't want to outstay our welcome well, you know, they always say that in comedy. Wanting more. Exactly, they say that in comedy. You don't want yeah. the big candy cane hook oh. coming and pulling you off the stage. Oh. You don't want that. Because so. it's been, I mean, it's, I mean, it must be great fun for you. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it just so funny. I mean, we laugh our heads off. Oh. The characters are brilliant. Yeah, they're all really well rounded now, and mm-hmm. we, we kind of know them, mm-hmm. and the audience know them as well as, mm-hmm. if not better than we know them, and 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 so writing. Does become a challenge because you have to you have to make sure that the characters are behaving in the way that they would, and that they don't say things out of character. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work in TV, you know, when people do things out of character unless it's part of the story. Um, and so you have to really adhere to these these yeah. things that you've set up. Uh, but it's been fun. It's been an amazing uh, uh, process and, and thing for Ford and I to be involved in. You know, because you're, you're not just acting; you're writing the whole mm-hmm. thing. It's 
it just yeah. absolutely years. Yeah, yeah, and it takes up a, long, a lot of the year, and I think this is probably why one of the reasons we're thinking about moving on to other things is because we want to be involved in other projects and whatnot, mm -hmm. and Still Game mm -hmm. takes up so much of the year, mm -hmm. and we're grateful for it. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. been, it's been the making of us, really, but it feels as if... Uh, the time is right now to to, to, mm. to have a look and see what else yeah. is out there. And you had the big big show in the hydro. The hydro, that yeah. Was sold out like almost right away, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. We did we did two hydro shows and they were uh, great fun and everybody loved. We all got to be rock stars for a few weeks. <laughs> uh, it was very exciting. It's a great and place. Yeah, it's lovely. I know mm. I've seen some great shows in there myself, mm. and um, mm. yeah, so it was it was it was a really a big privilege to be on the stage you know mm -hmm. and have all those still game fans in the crowd because you never get a chance to be with the fans mm -hmm. other than when you meet them in the street mm -hmm. to get them all under one roof was pretty cool mm -hmm. let's pause that it comes to it's okay oh you want to keep it okay do you mind if I order an omelette I know it's not on the menu but uh, I'll start last year is that okay yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. not on the set yet. okay <laughs> thanks is that, is that all yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm fine thank, thank you. you very thanks. much so um, no, if it's anything, um, I just usually let it, let it run. I'm probably terrified I don't get it started again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I I loved um, the one I laughed so much at was when they were in the pub and they sort of broken into the, the loft. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was working away and um, they're all up there. And I mean, it was, so, for the bottles. it was so childish, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I can have a cheese ham, cheese whatever you've got. Yeah. I'll take it anyway, it comes yeah. on. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good, that's good. We, we enjoyed that one. Uh -huh. Although I've seen somebody complaining about that. Said, How could they have a room upstairs? The room, the clansman's flat roofed. And uh, the original Klansman was the Gimlet in Mary Hill, mm -hmm. and it had an upstairs. It had, it had yeah, rooms yeah. upstairs, so that person's wrong. But, uh, <laughs> but people notice so many wee things, don't they? Yeah. They get, they get um, mm. absolutely. Oh, no, I know exactly. It's, know. It's, uh, I've been like that myself about other shows, so I, don't, I understand mm -hmm. when you're a fan of something. You know, they want to like, keep you right. They want to keep mm -hmm. you right, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what about your new projects? Are they under wraps or are you? Well, most of the way it works in our business is that you develop stuff for years, and, yeah. and you know like I've been developing a, a film script which I'm hopefully going to direct at some point, and you know that's ongoing. And and these things, it's, sometimes you sort of feel as if you're part time at it. You know, you kind of can it can take three four years before a project comes to fruition. Um, but there's there's other stuff we're looking at um, with the BBC and whatnot, and mm -hmm. so we're, we're not going to disappear. Uh -huh. Put it that way. Oh, you'll know that 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 would be happening, <laughs> you know. So the, what, it's funny because um, you're already on the website, the Casco West End website, mm -hmm. for many years ago, yeah. and that that just doesn't seem that long ago. I know. That so much has happened I know. because at that point. Um, when I, when I first met you at the launch of the Stand mm -hmm. Comedy Club, because yeah. we were along that night, um, Jess Fitzgerald and I, she worked on the, the website, and we were sitting right beside you, and you were in the big gang, mm -hmm. and of course you were all in absolute hysterics, you know, so it was like, <laughs> sort of, um, um, it, was good, it was fun for us, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously that triggers kind of atmosphere yeah, and that yeah. was great and then I spoke to you then and then um, when I met you to interview you at that time you were um, just going to be rector of Glasgow University so that would be 1999 or something yeah, yeah uh -huh. I know I mean it just seems like yesterday well it's funny you say that because I was I had at the weekend I was in Derry mm -hmm. uh, in Northern Ireland mm -hmm. and uh, we drove up to Ballycastle and there was Eight of us or nine of us and got together, and it was our it was the thirtieth anniversary of our first year at university. We stayed in Cresswell Street, just right. by the Clydesdale no Bank, Street, yeah. and that was our first flat. And all the people that lived in those two flats, there was five girls and five guys below mm -hmm. them. We all got together, mm -hmm. um, and we were talking about you know how it seems like yesterday. Mm -hmm. It seems like ten minutes ago, because mm -hmm. especially when you haven't seen people for a long time, mm -hmm. for the first couple of minutes, then their mannerisms and the way they talk. It's as if no time has passed. They haven't changed. People no. don't really change, you know. No. They're exactly the same. And so, so time plays a trick on you. Yeah. You think, wow, well, it surely can't be thirty years. You know. I know. It just seems like a, amazing. It's like, um, and also then you were just going to have your um, baby. Yeah. Yeah. We Benny. Yeah. Yeah. So, he said he turned seventeen two days ago. I mean. Uh, <laughs>
it's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah. And then, uh, even when I was coming to, to meet you, and I was thinking of the child, I wasn't thinking of a 17-year-old. And then what I was wondering, um, just came into my head, was because you were brought up in Montreal. So are you bilingual? Well, I'm not quite as bilingual as I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. I think if, when I go to Paris, I'm kind of nervous to speak French. And then by the time I'm leaving, I can do it. Mm-hmm. So it takes confidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can read uh, and, and I could sort of get by. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say I was bilingual, no. Mm-hmm. Um, if you started speaking French to me right now, I'd have to have mm-hmm. a dictionary. There's no chance of that, don't worry. <laughs> but that's the other strange thing as well. And, and, and because you, you grow up in a, a country like well, Canada, or more specifically a city like Montreal, um, the words are in there, you know, mm-hmm. and when you hear them, you're like, oh, I remember that, mm-hmm. and it comes back to you very quickly, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. no, it's it's. I mean, it's it's gone even more French. It's now, it's not, Montreal's no longer a bilingual city. It's pretty much yeah. immersed uh-huh. in French. Yeah. I've only been there once. It's beautiful. It's I, I loved beautiful. it, yeah, and nice. I found it a huge contrast from Toronto. Yeah. Now my sister lives in Ontario, mm-hmm. so I've been there often in Oakville, Ontario. So I've been there many, many times. I've only been once to Montreal, but because I've been, I think I've been in Canada for a wee while, mm. and you kind of adjust because it's very different from Glasgow. Yeah. And then when I went to Montreal, you felt I was a punk then, mm. and so you kind of attracted a wee bit of attention anyway. <laughs> the yeah. two-tone weekend. Aye. <laughs> but um, in Montreal, and. Toronto people just kind of ignored you. Yeah. But in Montreal, you know, people really look and, and engage much, much more than yeah. in. Well, I always, whenever anybody who hasn't been to Canada asks me, what's Montreal and Toronto like? I always compare it to Glasgow and Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. I love both cities, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah, so There's a nice I. friendly rivalry to Glasgow and Edinburgh. But I think Glasgow's like Montreal and Toronto's like Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. I kind of see. The, the, the similarities. You know, I don't know why that is. It's mm-hmm. just I think the people in Glasgow uh, are more engaging mm-hmm. than they are in Edinburgh. <laughs> possibly Nosier, yeah. I think it was Tan Dean Byrne that said that. He was making a defence against for Edinburgh against Glasgow and said it's not friendliness, it's nosiness. And I thought that was very funny. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I've got a. Um, I mean, I think in Glasgow, on a daily basis, if you go out, you're going to engage with people. I mean, yeah. I always feel sorry for people who don't go in public transport, mm. because I, I, don't, I don't drive. No. So, um, I, I love being on the bus, mm. you know, and especially now that um, I can be one of these people that sits in the front seat mm-hmm. with the older people, yeah. because they're the best fun, <laughs> and they are the least inhibited. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I would have thought as an ex-punk rocker, you'd sit at the back of the bus, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. When you were a punk rocker, did you think you'd be looking forward to sitting at the front of the bus? <laughs> no. <laughs> I used to um, write for the um, punk fanzine Delight mm. and Disorder. Right. So, um, and I had all the same sort of technical issues then because I remember the first person I went to interview was Mickey Rooney, mm-hmm. the Prime Eagles, and, and my um, recorder wasn't working then either. Is that right? Wow. <laughs> so that was probably, like, like, I think, about 1985, something like that. Ah, so fantastic. Was kind of, I, was, I wasn't a young punk rocker. I think my kids were punk rockers at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. They ran in the family. <laughs> That's yeah, good. Yeah, they, they, could, they were influencing me rather than the other way, way, <laughs> way about, you know. So, but... Um, I see you quite a lot on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That makes me laugh. Oh too, yeah. Do you know, like Twitter? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. it. Um, I get into kind of um, arguments that I don't want to sometimes. Oh but, yeah, I um, mean I've done that too. Sure. Oh, but you're able for it. <laughs> well, I know it's a funny thing. I'm not quite sure that Twitter is what it used to be, and I think there's a lot of anger on it now, and mm-hmm. with Trump and all this kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. and it's justified anger. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's not justified, but it can be a wee bit kind of monosyllabic a bit overwhelming sometimes uh-huh. like when you yeah. go on it used to be that you could find a news feed and now a lot of it is opinion and whatnot and, yeah. and uh-huh. because you tend to follow like-minded people so mm-hmm. you'll get a kind of similar it's like mm-hmm. preaching to the converted and so I like to kind of try and follow people that I wouldn't normally follow yeah. and kind uh-huh. of mix it up a little bit And but I think that it, it's one of those things that can get you down a little bit if you're on it I too much. That's, I think that's right. You I know. think that's right. I try not to go on it late at night in no. case I get upset about something. Yeah. You know, because there's so much to get upset about. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. um. And some people treat it like a 
some people treat it like a game and it's fun and other people treat it as something completely different so it's finding out that, that balance you know but I've, I've, I've learned over the years not to um, not to respond to criticism because I think people are entitled to, to be cr critical but I don't mm -hmm. think you should be thin skinned about it and mm -hmm. you get a lot of people slagging your show off or whatever and you go well okay fair enough that's their opinion whereas when I first started I was like you know what you're talking about you want to you you engage you're an idiot you know and, and do all that but there's mm -hmm. no point because mm -hmm. you know you're not going to change anybody's mind. Uh -huh. And they, they might be just seeing that to try to range you up. Ah, exactly. You know, exactly. Or, and, and, and get this response. I think you sort of learn to kind of temper your feelings mm -hmm. when you're on it as well and not not be too... I think as well if you're too vocal on it, I think people will get annoyed at you. Because I was quite vocal mm -hmm. during the independence referendum. Mm -hmm. I think that if it goes again, I'll mm -hmm. just quietly take my box and do my thing, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I think that... I think, any you know, it's in the present day when you look at the state of things you think people will be able to make up their own minds mm -hmm. what they want to do yeah well uh, you know I mean up to a point but I think there's still so many people are I think if you're on social media at least you're you are open to a lot mm -hmm. more and a lot more information yeah. I mean a lot of people are still That's just like point. reading yeah. the you know like the Sunday Mail and yeah. you know even like the Herald or whatever so they don't get uh, um you know, and watching BBC News, mm -hmm. so they, they don't altogether get a variety of viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I remember speaking to somebody who who was on TV, and they said you have to be careful with opinions on things like Twitter when you when you when you've got when you when, when you've got a, a profile, as he called it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, well, because it's like you're using that profile to sway people. And I was like, well. I don't really see it that way because mm. I'm a citizen and I pay my taxes the same as everybody else. So what I do for a living has nothing to do, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? With, mm -hmm. I didn't I'm see not, it that way. I was no. more kind of like, well, actually, it's the opposite. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I pay my taxes. So mm -hmm. if I want to shout and ball about mm -hmm. why people should vote, vote, but I think that the downside is that eventually people get fed up of of your your rhetoric, and mm -hmm. so it's 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 trying mm -hmm. to engage without being. I don't know, preachy or judgmental. Yeah, yeah I know. think um, as well as that, you're, if you really feel strongly about something, you're not actually going to change a whole lot of minds, and you're not going to change minds of people who are adamant. Mm. You know, when they, you know, so there's no point really in having no. a big argument with them because no. it, it wears you out and mm. it makes it makes yeah. no difference. But it's all good. Um, Material for you, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, you meet, you do meet. I mean, I've met some amazing people on Twitter that, that I then meet in real life, mm -hmm. and we go on almost like a Twitter date. Uh -huh. And somebody that you've met, and you're like, okay, let's go. Not with women, by the way, Pat. I'm happily married, but uh, you know, I've met some some cracking people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, who engage on Twitter, and then they say, let's let's go for a pint, mm -hmm. and you do that, and and. I've never had a bad experience. No. It's happened no. five or six times. Mm -hmm. I met Mark Miller through mm -hmm. Twitter, and, mm -hmm. and we go to the pub occasionally. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Chris Deeran, you know, mm -hmm. I met up with him recently, mm -hmm. and you know, he's, he's, he he writes some super stuff. Yeah, I mean, I love. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I think it's an instinct thing. You just think I'm going to get on with this person. Mm -hmm. If I was to sit in a mm -hmm. pub with them, I'll get on with them, mm -hmm. and that's how you you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so mm -hmm. from that point of view, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, it's, but I sort of cut my measure my time on it now. I'm like, well, okay, I've, I've been on this for the last half hour, mm -hmm. you know, and and my wife is sitting there. What am I yeah. doing? Put this down, you know, uh, that kind of thing, or my kid, or whatever. I don't know. I'm not so bad with Jim because he's usually sitting on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we email each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah my son <laughs> called me from upstairs today. Yeah, did he? Yeah, he called me from upstairs. He went because I was shouting him, and he called me to say, "What is it?" I says, "What's going on here?" Uh -huh. Who's paying for this? Yeah. But it does become. I mean, it's amazing how it becomes such a part of your life, and you, you know, you, you're reading all these things, and you feel as if you know these, you know, these these yeah. people, you know, and then you get such a kick out of things. Um, I, I was very, very happy um, that Methadone Mick followed me. Oh, Methadone Mick. Scott Reed, Scott he's Reed. lovely. I said, Jim, oh, yeah, Methadone Mick has followed me on Twitter. <laughs> and then one time, um, Bianca Jagger liked one of my 
in really? my peach. So, well, I was in a high for about a fortnight. I know, it's strange, isn't it? You know, how these things make your day, you <laughs> well, know? I know, although, I mean, I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's, she's absolutely... I think it's designed that way, isn't it? Again, it's like a game. It's like you can get, get a like off of somebody that you really admire. And, and, and I think I got one off of William Shatner once and I was doing backflips for about a week. Like, look, look, cat and curb like my... It's, it's funny, isn't it? We're all children. I know, I, I know, I know. I go to the um, homeopathic hospital, that's now called the Integrative Care, and they ask you all sorts of things. And last time I was there, I think the, the doctor must think I'm bonkers because um, he put me on some new medication and he was trying to figure out how it was working. And he said to me, have you had any dreams? I said, yeah, I had a very, very kind of, um, you know, a colourful, memorable dream about the <laughs> journalist Jonathan Friedman. <laughs> and and, and I said, aha, we were at an event and I was sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm listening to myself and I'm thinking, this is totally bonkers, you know. Mm-hmm. But that, I'm sure that's the Twitter effect. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 the oh. Twitter effect, absolutely. Because all these people are swirling around your head, aren't they? Uh-huh. Before yeah. you go to, and you tend to look at it before you go to sleep, too. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I do, anyway. If I'm not playing a poker tournament. Oh, are uh-huh. <laughs> you still, still doing your poker? Well, it's a bit like... I've never played golf, but I've heard people who golf say that they do it when they're younger and then they have their families and there's no time to play golf when you're in a family because mm-hmm. you can't disappear on a Saturday from nine in the morning. Well, I suppose some people can. But, uh, poker's the same because you sort of play it late night and once my kids were born, I kind of stopped playing and started again about a year ago because they're a bit older now and I've mm-hmm. been playing online to get my, my, game, my game back and I've mm-hmm. really been enjoying it. And so after, that's probably 13 or 14 years, I haven't played it, not once. I'm now playing it again a little bit, so yeah, I'm enjoying it. I can see me doing it in my retirement, heading out to Las Vegas and wearing this loud shirt. I was just going to say that, had you ever been to any of the, um, you know, Las Vegas? Yeah, I played the World Series in 2006, and that was was pretty much, my, my youngest was 10 months old then, and my whole family came with me, and we lived in Las Vegas for about five or six weeks, and... That was. I literally didn't play again after that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was it. I thought uh-huh. I've got it out of my system now. Uh-huh. But that um, must have been fast. You know, a great experience. Yeah, it? it really was. Uh-huh. Uh, it was. Uh, I got knocked out of the main event by uh, Celine Dion's husband. Oh my god! Yeah, I had two aces <laughs> and he had three sevens. All the Canadians. I thought, well, he doesn't need the money. He's worth about two hundred million dollars or something. More, <laughs> maybe a billion. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never ever been to um, Las Vegas, but I've been to Atlantic City. Mm. We went on a trip from New York, and they must be trying to, like, you know, lure people into gambling because you got this deal. Like, I think it was that time, years and years ago. It was about fifteen dollars, mm. and then you got tokens. You got tokens to gamble and tokens for a meal right. and something else, but. We, we just um, went to the casino or one casino or something and whatever, used it, and then went and walked along the boardwalk and <laughs> hung out on the beach, you know? Yeah. But, um, well, my dad went to Las Vegas one time, and I got married in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Julie got married there in, in mm-hmm. 1999. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think every single time I used to go back there, my dad would shake his head, he'd be like, and I'd say, why are you shaking your head for? And he'd say, I don't know what you see in that place. I don't know what you see in it. And I says, why don't you like it? I says, remind me why you don't like it again. I knew what the answer was. He said, because I was there once and I lost $20. Oh, he been once. Oh, thanks so much. That's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, that looks wicked. Thank you. Um, that looks nice. And he was a Scottish chartered accountant, so he, he, uh, he was not tight-fisted. He was a very generous man, but he didn't like to, to give money away or lose it. And so that was him. That was him in Vegas done, you know. Twenty dollars. He was, he was appalled. I would be like that too. I would be. I would be upset. I'm not. A, you never um, forgot it. I'm not a, a gambler. But when the, the World Cup was on there, um, all the adverts, loads of the adverts were about gambling. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and. Mm. You know, then there would be these things about, um, what do they call it, not safe gambling, but um, 
no, so that you, so that you weren't going to go mad or, or whatever. Yeah, responsible gambling. Responsible gambling. Yeah. That was the thing. That was I was thinking to myself. You know, you um, only the individual can be responsible, really. You know, mm -hmm. you know, and so I treat it as a a bit of a, a game or a bit, you know, a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. But um, if you're going to if you're addicted to personality, you, you you're going to get hooked no matter how responsible you know the sort of mm. owners are. It's funny that you know because you're absolutely right, and and there's so many things beyond gambling that are addictive. Obviously, things that aren't yeah. quite as dangerous for you as you know alcohol gambling. I, I mean, and I know so I know. many people who have addictive personalities. I have one I myself, mm -hmm. and even the guys I know that have stopped drinking, mm -hmm. they need something, and, mm -hmm. you know. Donuts or um, sugar no. uh, biscuits. I know. I know I'm addicted to charity shops. Is that right? Are yeah. you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, wow. not, I can hardly pass one. Really? And then I buy things for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I once got this wee um, boy's silk christening robe or christening dress. It was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It was only a pound. <clears throat> so I bought this. And then um, I said to Jim, I've bought this wee thing. I said, it's, it's just gorgeous. It was only a pound. I said, it's so beautiful. And I said, do you think I'm mad? He says, well, you're so happy. No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, um, but of course, the house thing is full of all this rubbish, you know, that, um, and you think, why? why do, do you go to the dump that? a lot and take a lot of... Well, <clears throat> I don't go to the dump, but when I, I lived in Oakopatrick, that's where I come from, mm -hmm. I had two dogs. So I used to take the, the dogs out for a walk down. It's a place called the Saltings down near the Clyde. Right. I could let them off the lead. And there was a big skip there. And a lot of the um, people with addiction problems drinking would hang out down there. So I knew every one of them mm -hmm. because I would get up and peep in the skip. And then I would say, could you climb in and get me that carpet? <laughs> really? <laughs> and they would carry it home for me. And then, um, <laughs> and my brother, um, one of my brothers is dead now, but he had um, a bad accident and he had brain damage, so I used to go and visit him a lot. And these two um, women took me, they were headmistresses, and... Um, they thought this was hilarious because one day I had on this dress and I said, I like your dress. I said, oh, I got it in the dump. <laughs> and then they would sometimes say, if I ever wore it again, they would say, that's your dump dress, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, Brilliant. Yeah, your that, dump dress. I love that. You know, <laughs> it wasn't just you're, you're getting something for, for nothing. It's like a find, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, it's like, a, like anything else, you get the endorphins. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> but of course, um, unlike the portrait, you don't need any skill for that, you know, you just <laughs> toddle along and have a, have a look. But my dad used to play chess, ah. and um, he, funnily enough, at that time, of course, we just stay in this wee council house in Oakle Patrick, we had all these exotic people coming to the house, his, the people he played chess with. All right. Like, we, 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 one time we had Captain Chit, and he was in the Thai Navy, and they were Dr. Clyde Bank. Really? And then he used to have Eric, who was a Russian Jew, and Jan Van Beest, who was one of his best friends, a Dutchman. So you had all these... Um, kind of quite different people mm -hmm. coming to the house through the through the the chess. Mm -hmm. They were they were just so into it, you know, they played a played a lot. Do you not find that having something like that in your life is a is a wonderful sort of marker for how you accept people and all Absolutely. those differences because you mm -hmm. when I, I had something similar growing up with my mother when we first went to Montreal, she joined a a French-speaking class because she was aware of the way the political landscape was going. It was only going to be better to you know it was you were never going to um, struggle if you knew French. So mm -hmm. everybody who arrived in Montreal learned French, and she went to this night class. And they had parties in our house, and I remember, and it was like the United Nations. Uh, there was people from Iraq, mm -hmm. everywhere. There were people from mm -hmm. Japan. Mm -hmm. It was all these different colors and creeds sitting in my living room, and mm -hmm. I'd go to bed, and my mum was sitting there with all these pals women with the fantastic headdresses and mm -hmm. outfits mm -hmm. and whatnot. And that's what I remember growing up. And that was that would happen mm -hmm. three, four times in my mm -hmm. house. 
and you'd see these and you'd mm -hmm. see all these people coming together and they were all the same and Everybody you just exactly uh, the same. when you're a kid you just accept that yeah you know you, you, know? Don't, you no I think I think you're right I mean you know, my, um, these are wonderful experiences mm -hmm. to have had I think yeah oh, de definitely I think the, the other thing we were very lucky with was um, my mum was from a very very staunch Catholic family mm -hmm. I, I mean her cousins were, were priests her um, cousin was um, Canon Meekin who was Canon in the cathedral and my father well, he didn't really have. I suppose we say, you know, if somebody didn't have a religion at that time, you just say they're Protestant. But I mean, he had, had no religion really. But they had uh, they had to go to London to get married. I think that was 1944 because they couldn't get married in a chapel mm -hmm. in Glasgow. So, so when we were we, um, like half the family were very very staunch Catholics, and the other half were not. They, you know, they were they were sort of Protestants, so we were um, we were always kind of um, told. You know, the, the thing was at that time, but some of my friends they they weren't allowed to go out with someone if they weren't a Catholic. Mm -hmm. And but we were always told that you don't ask people what school they went to, and you mm -hmm. don't. You, you know, and there was and then lots of their friends were communists. Mm -hmm. like the, the the guy who stayed upstairs from us, John Smith, was a communist councillor, and. My dad's um, brother was married to um, Finlay Hart's sister. Finlay was yeah. a very, very important in the Communist Party in Clyde Bank. Mm -hmm. So you had all this going on that was quite different mm -hmm. um, from, you knew it was different from your pals mm -hmm. sort of thing. You know, you a bigger world. It's not until you get older you kind of think, you know, you sort of look back on it and think, you know, the sort of impact it's had on different things, you know. I remember my dad always used to tell me the story about going for a job interview once he'd got his accountancy and uh, the guy asked him what school he went to mm -hmm. and my dad kind of bristled and whatnot and, and the interview went on and then the guy said at the end, do you have any questions? My dad says, what school did you go to? <laughs> and he went, I don't think that's relevant. And he said, well, why did you ask me what school I went to? Uh, and then my dad exactly. said, I didn't get the job. <laughs> I'll be good for him, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's very much the the case. Like, like um, I left school. Well, I, I left school before I was fifteen because of sort of problems in the family. Um, mm -hmm. And but so my first job was in a factory in West Clocks. My, my father was a turner, mm -hmm. um, and he, so my brother worked here. He was a um, apprentice toolmaker, and then I got a job in there in the factory. So, but there were no Catholics worked there. Mm -hmm. But the father, no, at that time, you spoke for people, you know, so it was all, there were good families working there. Mm -hmm. But because my father wasn't a Catholic, you know, so it just kind of assumed, <laughs> you know. Um, all of these things, yeah, it's, 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 it, it goes on, and it's not as bad as it used to be. Mm -hmm. But when Ford and I write still game, we, we always want we always wanted it to be inclusive of everybody, mm -hmm. and that, cause that's our our, our worldview really. <laughs> and, and 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 well, also that we don't tackle things like Celtic Rangers or mm -hmm. Protestants and Catholics, any mm -hmm. of that stuff, because it's not about it's about everybody you being part of the uh, same city yeah. and the same uh -huh. country, and uh -huh. um, we avoid religion, avoid football, uh -huh. and politics. Uh -huh. And you know, even though I've you know, we've outspoken in the past about things like the referendum and stuff, the TV show just doesn't go there because it's not got a, pol a political agenda or an ag any kind of agenda like that, it's other than to make fun. as many people uh -huh. laugh as it possibly can, you know, so we've always tended to avoid those kind of hot topics mm -hmm. yeah. um, mm -hmm. because I think then the show uh, becomes a different thing, you know. Yeah, well, absolutely, and it's not, you know, what's the point in, like, sort of, Creating anger, or you mm. know, or divisiveness. Or divisiveness. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, in a way, it's a kind of real um, sort of luxury to be able to know and to know that you're making so many people have a mm. good time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it must be very gratifying. It sure is. It really is. Yeah, and we're very, very strict about it, and the storylines that we do and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, you know, Naveed is, we've always tried to make him the smartest man in the room and this kind of thing and Jack and Victor go to him for advice, I mean, mm -hmm. he's been part of that community for 40 years, you know, and 
Uh, he's, there's no other in, in Still Game. There's, no, there's not no. an other. They're all one. Uh -huh. you know? He plays that part so well. Yeah, I mean, brilliant. it is just so good. And um, the relationship he has with his wife in the shop with his wife and Isa. 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 I mean, <laughs> I love when she goes in and then yeah. the, he's been sort of mushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when Sanjay first got cast, he was like, oh, I'm a bit nervous because Sanjay met, uh, you know, he was doing a lot of stuff at the BBC as a presenter and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I'm not sure how much acting experience he had, but he, he didn't have a lot. And he was like, I'm not really. And he said, well, look, don't worry about it. I says, I'm kind of just doing my granddad and Ford's doing his Uncle Barney. I said, <laughs> I said, I said just do your dad, you know. And, and, and that's kind of what that's he does. That, you know? Do you know, that's such good advice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, I mean, you should be, I, I'm sure a lot of the directors could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if it was, if it was intimate enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. But no, he's great in that part. And we did the read-through for the final series on Friday. And he was hysterical, you know. And, and uh, we, we all had a really good time. Actually, it was very, uh, very moving, very emotional, because it's the last one. So um, it's coming out at the end of the year. It's coming out at the end of the year. People won't have to wait very long, because it was an odd thing that happened. But the last series we filmed that ran about this time last year, it was supposed to go out in October, November, but they held it back till March, April, I think it was. So it doesn't feel that long since it's been on TV. Mm -hmm. And then the, the other six episodes will go out in the same year as the last. So that's quite unusual. Um, so fans of the show will get 12 episodes this year. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they're the last ones, but um, I think all good stories come to an end, is the thing. I mean, I didn't, we never, Ford and I never wanted the show to be one of these shows that ran for 30 years because the, I think the, the power of the characters is that they're young people playing old people. Yeah. And the, the, the metaphor, of course, is that every older person has a young person inside them. Mm -hmm. And if we get to the age, I don't think it would work as being 70 mm -hmm. and playing the characters. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the purpose of the show, no, you know? No. Uh, that's just a personal philosophy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, I'm sure if the BBC asked us in 20 years' time to, to do it again, maybe we would don the old wigs and the... But we'll have to wait and see. I know. <laughs> I'm sure whatever's coming next is going to be equally as good. You know? Well, yeah, we've, we've, we've created it. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You can create a bit of a rod for your back and you know, everything we do will be compared to that. Uh -huh. But that's a nice problem to have, uh -huh. you know? Cause the audience have been so incredibly welcoming of that show and those characters. Well, showing the part, showing the part was so popular too. Mm. I mean, it was it was different. And mm. yeah, I think we were quite tune the fat. We were quite lucky with because Ford and I had done a sketch show before tune the fat called Cult Video, and it just didn't really resonate. And we did it for a year, and then when it came time to do tune the fat, we sat and spoke about how. There hadn't really been a show for a long time about Scotland and about Scottish characters. And if you look at the first series of Tune the Fat, there's all these American characters and stuff. And the first series wasn't a massive hit. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until we got rid of all the American characters and concentrated on the mm -hmm. Scottish characters that the show went through the roof. Mm -hmm. And we were really um, delighted that that had happened. But it was, it was a, for me, it felt like a lot about timing. I think people in Scotland, when you want to laugh, I think people like to have a mirror held up to them and laugh at themselves. And mm -hmm. the Scots are very good at great sense of humour and great at laughing at themselves. Mm -hmm. So some people would criticise it and say it was a parochial show. If you weren't from Scotland, you couldn't get it. That's nonsense. Uh, it's, it's nonsense. You know, Peter Kay lives in the same street since he grew up mm -hmm. because he wants to be able to draw on the things around about him. But his his humour isn't only for people from Bolton. Oh no, he's hilarious. You know? It's mm -hmm. or, or, or only fools and horses. You don't have to be mm -hmm. a Cockney or no, from, from no. Peckham to mm -hmm. understand mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So that's a lazy uh, argument, I think. You yeah. know, what I mean, I think that uh, you know, chewing the fat, the humour of chewing the fat was you know it was universal. It just so happened to be about mm -hmm. you know, comedians like to write about the things that they see. So you're going to write about your neighbourhood, you know, mm -hmm. and the th and, and the common themes that you mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. You see kids wearing a certain type of thing. Mm -hmm. So at the time, it was these kappa tracksuits all the kids were wearing. <laughs> You know, and people say to us, "Why don't you bring it back?" And we're like, "Well, why don't we? we don't know what kids wear now, so we need to we need to do a bit of research." You know, we're in their um, designer gear. Mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> yeah, it's all Lacoste now they wear, and, uh, which is funny because my, my my son came home in a Lacoste shirt the other day, and I says, "I used to wear Lacoste." They went, "No, you didn't." I says, "You know, it's been around for 150 years." <laughs> I know. I know. And then my wee grandson, he, he's 14, he loves all the, um, mm. the designer Aye. stuff, you know. And, oh, they've got um, expensive tastes. 
Yeah. And then so did we. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, because I remember when, when we were all about, probably only about 16, 17, we, we, we would buy things on tick because everybody had a leather coat. And the leather coat was probably more than you'd earned like in half a year anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you had to have one. Yeah. Yeah. But your mum mum and dad weren't couldn't buy it for you? No. Yeah, and, and tick and credit was probably a, an alien concept because mm-hmm. that would be quite scary mm-hmm. having a bunch of things that you haven't paid for. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Well, my granddad was cash, he was mm-hmm. like, There you mm-hmm. go, that's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I paid yeah. for it and I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna take mm-hmm. a higher purchase. He probably thought he was gonna get into bed with a loan shark if he'd done that's that. That's right. Mm-hmm. But no, no you had to you had to have you when you know, when you're a certain age you just want to be the same as everyone else don't you mm. to be um, kind of accepted I suppose and then when you get older you want to be different yeah that's true that's very true mm. and as you get older you know the, your time becomes more important as you get older that's why I think we give teenagers such a hard time like my mm-hmm. son's 17 he's in his bed till one o'clock mm-hmm. and I've been reading a book about sleep and, and it's saying give your teenager a break because they're on a different cycle from adults because mm-hmm. their bodies are changing and whatnot and they, they they're not tired till about one o'clock in the morning is that right yeah, yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. it's and it's very normal I'm for them i'm always doing to that with ryan i'm always thinking put that phone down you know you need oh. to sleep you need mm-hmm. to, i get quite hit up about it yeah but it's a very it's a it's completely natural completely according to this book mm-hmm. um but no i find that quite interesting you know and i think that i often think that as we get older we get we're jealous of young people mm-hmm. and that's why we give them a hard time every generation mm-hmm young generation, whether it's Generation X, Millennials, whatever you want to call them. The way older people treat them, it's always the same. It's the same pattern. These kids Mm -hmm. don't know they're born, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's because we're jealous that they've got so much time on their hands because Mm -hmm. they're the richest people on the planet because Mm -hmm. they have all this time. Mm -hmm. So they waste it Mm -hmm. because they can waste it because Mm -hmm. they have so much of it. (laughs) We can't waste it because we're older. (laughs) Time is really precious, you know. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank when you get older. This time is is the most important. I know, I know. And you feel as if you're... Well, I, I, I am anyway. I'm always wanting to you know what am I doing tomorrow and what's happening and what you know when we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And I went on holiday with Caitlin and Ryan, his big sister. She's 18 now, and I, I couldn't get them out. I no. wanted to go out and do things, yeah. and they were hanging about and carrying on. And, yeah. and one day I said, I sort of stood, or you know, like for God's sake, we're not going to get out here. And Caitlin says, "You're a psychopath." <laughs> psychopath. <laughs> Because <laughs> she was, she was um, they just didn't well, see yeah, them. They're like, they're, they're like they're the richest people on earth, I think, mm-hmm. you know, so therefore they can, they want to lie around. Just like just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember what it was like to be that age, and it was a great time because you had no pressures. And, no, no, and then as you get older and you start to put on weight because your metabolism's slowing down and lose a little bit of hair, and you think, wow, there's a clock, I'm, I'm on a clock here. When you're 20, you think you're immortal. I know yeah. when you're 20, if somebody's 24, you think they're old. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, know. absolutely. I know. I know. But I love young people. I, I, I really, um, you know, I like being with them. Mm. And, um, I think it keeps yeah. you young yourself, mm-hmm. I think, having an open mind. And I'm, I'm always one to come to the defence of younger people as well, you know, I think. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's important not to get to that bit where you're kind of critical of people just for being a certain age. That's mm-hmm. pathetic. I know. You know what I mean? And assuming that they're all the same. Yeah. You know, and, you know, also, I hate this thing. Um, I used to work at Glasgow Caledonian right. at the university, and um, I was a lecturer there, but also works in um, the essential effective learning mm-hmm. projects so you worked a lot one to one with students mm-hmm. and quite a lot of them were miserable. Yeah. You know, they, they had been um, pushed to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a, a lot a lot of um, there's a lot of expectations of young people that they should go into higher education and they should get on and yeah. and that there's this only one door open to them. You know half of them haven't had a chance to kind of think, oh God, I'd love to be a hairdresser or Mm-hmm. You know, whatever, and um, you know, it's it's what it's how their success is judged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't like that. You mm-hmm. know, it seems to be for many people is only judged on sort of academic ability. Yeah, and I think that's I think it's pretty poor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, I read this interesting article a little while ago about no, in fact, it wasn't. It was it was a it was a TED talk, and I was 
watching it, my wife maybe she said, watch this, and it was all about, the guy was talking about the way that the education system is structured, and it's structured post-industrial revolution, where it was just like, get people into jobs, get them into the workforce, and the subjects that were important, you know, your sciences and your maths and all that, and these are your subjects that weren't quite as important, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, right. it's a bunch of nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, and you, 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 even to this day you still see that when you go to university, mm-hmm. you know, I remember people frowning because I told them I did theatre and film studies, like, my mm-hmm. degree was somehow not as important as an engineer. I know, you're not as clever, you know? are you? And you're you think, well, that's, that, that is, that's not <laughs> a fact, that's just something that's been implanted in all of our mm-hmm. heads uh-huh. from sort of post-industrial I revolution, I think I that's quite interesting. Well, I've had this discussion. And also as well, you know, people when they're 18, nowadays, they, they're a lot younger than they were in our yeah, generation. And yeah, my yeah. parents had to know what they were doing in their lives at 16 and 18. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas kids now aren't starting careers till they're 30 or families till mm-hmm. they're even older. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. how can you possibly know when you're starting your first year of university that, right, I've chosen my subject and this is what I'm going to do. There has to be a bit of flexibility in there. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that the university mm-hmm. have to start acknowledging yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of drop-off. Uh, a big dr- I remember as, as when I was rector speaking to the students at, at their inauguration, their, their um, freshers' week. I said, you know, if you don't like your course, don't panic mm-hmm. because you get the first years when a lot of people leave. Uh-huh. Go and speak to an advisor. Go and speak uh-huh. to your professors yeah. Yeah. and say, can I change? Because mm-hmm. you might think you've signed up for one thing and you've signed up for something That's else. Right. Don't worry, mm-hmm. there's, there'll be yeah. something here for you. That's you just right. haven't found it yeah. yet, you know. No, I, I, no, you're absolutely right. I, I changed um, my course because I. I um, went originally to do English literature mm-hmm. and I had done the A-level I didn't have any hires or anything mm-hmm. like I went to Cloudbank College and um, I did A-level English literature and absolutely loved it yeah. so that's what I went to university to do and hated it Right. so I, I switched and I switched to um, Scottish history and sociology mm-hmm. that wasn't a degree so it had to go before senate right and they said okay, you know. Oh. But then I actually switched back again and just did history exactly. and yeah, sociology. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there is a bit. Of course, I was older. You know, I was mm-hmm. like almost thirty when I went to university. Mm-hmm. So you, you, but a younger person might not feel that they've got that right. Yeah, yeah. They mm-hmm. might just go. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. The university is not for me. Drop out, you know? yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I, I mean, I absolutely love Glasgow University. Mm. I mean, I love everything. I just love even being up there in the cloisters and whatnot. Oh, it's great, isn't it? It's just so fabulous. I've mm. been back, to, I've, I've, I've got 3D degrees from the university. Of course, the last one, um, I couldn't possibly have done anything with exams because I wouldn't remember anything. So I did the <laughs> MLIT and creative writing, mm-hmm. and that was, great. that was that was really good fun. Mm-hmm. And, Brilliant. Um, in fact, it was John Dingwall. I was kind of, there was a lot going on at the time, and Jim kept saying to me, you should do something, do something for yourself. And I met John Dingwall. Do you know, know John? He's no. like, John, yeah, he's a fabulous journalist. Like, he writes mainly about music. Um, but I think, I think he's kind of opened up a wee bit now. He's just freelance. But I had met John, and he had just finished doing that in Lit. And he was so enthusiastic about it. And then I said, I think I'll do the, the same lit. I think I'll apply. But I had never done any creative writing. Mm-hmm. So I had to just say, I said in my blog, mm-hmm. you know, as an example of my writing. And then when I get accepted, I get a bit of a, a shock. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I had loads and loads to learn. I still go to writing classes. I kind of feel as though I'm dabbling in it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. But I love the university. Mm. I just um, think Glasgow is so lucky to have that fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Place. And, and also, you can go to it at any time or stage in your life. You know, that's the, their whole drive of lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to do a, a course in Spanish at 85 mm-hmm. years of age, mm-hmm. they can help you. Yeah, you know? that Centre for Open Studies is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, still, I still go there. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, quite a lot of people are. Well, not a lot, but a few of them are the Ram seventy one. Some of them are even a bit older than me, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. So, and then you have like um, young teenagers. Mm-hmm. So you're 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 all yeah. together, and some people have been writing for a long time. Some is their first mm-hmm. thing, you know. Um, but it's very very. Uh, I love the university. I think I think it's. Um, I just love it from the bit. I love the building. <laughs> when we when we wrote the episode for Jack and Victor went back to university, 
we've talked for ages about the difference between a, a student who's there first time at 21 or 18 and a mature student and the, and the difference was that the mature, the mature student doesn't mess around they're there to do the classes and they're there to learn mm -hmm. and again because time is of the essence in a sense and the young person is just like oh, I'm not going to go to my class and all this and, <laughs> and so we thought well Jack and Victor can't behave like <laughs> an elderly people. person too. so we have to make them mischievous and so they end up messing up their, their mm. uh, I think it's a medical proficiency test or something like that and uh, they end up going to parties <laughs> and, and not going to their classes like they're 21 again you know? and, and uh, we had good fun yeah, with that I remember that we, we went up to the university and used their lecture halls and stuff it was great fun really good fun mm. Well, I think I think that's the word, the kind of key word is that is mischief, yeah, isn't it? Mischief. And I think both you and Pete Ford have got that. Yeah. And I yeah. think you probably that comes out. You know, every day. Are you still meeting almost every day to talk about your stuff and write stuff? We, and it tends to we tend to sort of do it in blocks. So we, we've just finished a block where we've been writing since we started on the first of March and we finished. A few weeks ago, and mm -hmm. we're, st we're now in pre-production, which is a crazy time. That's why it was so mm -hmm. uh, hectic for us Try to get to together. I know because mm -hmm. you called here, there, and everywhere. To, mm -hmm. We're doing a rewrite this afternoon, and then we're doing uh, some costume fittings mm -hmm. and all these kind of things. And we've got to go in and see the baby about one of the episodes. A couple of things need fixed, so that all kicks in with yeah. six weeks mm -hmm. to go, and it's like a kind of crazy sort of maelstrom. Yeah. Whereas for the last four months, we've just been sitting in my living room, just mm -hmm. quietly writing six pages a day. See them all close the laptop right? and uh, so your life is very regulated I, I quite like that bit actually I remember that from before speaking to you how mm. it's kind of organised you, you mm. were and how um, you know you had things sort of, sort of compartmentalised and mm. spots and things you had to do yeah. it's the only way you're going to succeed yeah. really isn't it you know yeah, to yeah. put your yeah. you know put everything into it mm -hmm. but it's, I mean people who don't write would be amazed at how little time you spend writing because mm -hmm. We'll get together, say, let's say, I don't know, 10 in the morning, and we'll go till about 2, 2.30. Mm -hmm. And in that time, we'll maybe write for 45 minutes an hour. Mm -hmm. So talk and talk and talk, stories, this, that, everything. Mm -hmm. Right, come on, let's get the pages. And we write, and then close the laptop. Right, that's that. Mm -hmm. And if you try to write more than that, I don't know whether it would, mm -hmm. But you don't really write. Whereas when we started with Tune the Fat, we used to write from like 9 till 5 mm -hmm. and stop for lunch. We were writing like six hours a day. Mm -hmm. And it was a different discipline then but then we had to produce so many different ideas uh -huh. so it was a different kind of yeah you know, mm -hmm. so you know, good fun uh -huh. so it'll be fun putting all the ideas together for the new project yeah yeah uh -huh. I think it'll be good it'll be good and, yeah. and some of them will work and some of them won't and that's that's life you know uh -huh. that's how it goes yeah no, I'm, I'm absolutely sure it'll be great yeah. so but it's super to meet up with you again. You too, Greg, you're always so enthusiastic, you know. <laughs> so are you. It's always a pleasure to meet up with you. Yeah. So, and if this doesn't turn out... Right, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks a lot, Greg. We can always call this a dry run for the real thing. Yeah, I'm hoping it, it, it was very interesting, so I'm hoping it'll be okay. Okay, no worries. I hope that works. Aye. It's still but recording a video. If, if, if there's any problems or the audio is not quite right for broadcast and you want to do it again, you can come to my house. Yeah, I think we'll just all go to your house, Greg. We'll be there shortly. And thus ends another episode of Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Greg. And uh, thanks to all our listeners. Catch up soon. Bye for now. <laughs>